Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Turn over to John chapter 8 and verse 31. And it says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Amen. So he's trying to get, he's trying to let them know what, what is, uh, what a disciple looks like. And it says, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall what? Make you free. I like that. It doesn't, it, it's, it says make you free. And then in the, in the, the margin of, of my Bible here, it says, it says set or, or, uh, um, yeah, just set. So make or set you free, you know, and, and as I was just kind of meditating on some of this stuff, um, the Lord, uh, began to speak afresh, uh, to me about, about these verses. And, and, and then, like I said, we're going to press in a little bit more and, and get some more things, but, but there's, there's something about abiding in his word, abiding. Did you notice that it said, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed. And then it says, and then it says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So there's something about abiding or making your home in the word of God, not necessarily as a, as a, um, as an altar, because sometimes we, we make, we try to worship the word of God. You know what I mean? Like th- this is our God. Well, the Bible is not your God, but the, our God spoke the Bible into existence. He spoke these words and, and they're living and they're powerful. But there's something about abiding in his words and fellowshipping with him around his word. Then you become his follower. What's a disciple other than just a follower? So if you abide in my word, you're actually following after me. And so it says here that, that, that if, you're, if you're abiding in my word, then you're following after me. And then it says the next thing that will happen is you will begin to know the truth and the truth will make you free. And, and the word there, know, uh, let me just read this real quick because uh, I think this will help. The word there, know, the, it's, it's a Greek word uh, that is... Uh, pronounced yada and uh, i knew y'all were dying to know that um but uh just as bad as i was um and uh but the definition of of this i like it because there's so much in in a greek word like that that if we just read no we we understand it with our own english minds you know we understand it through our own culture and no is just like yeah i know that but that's not what he was talking about. He said he was saying to know this is some of the definitions to know to learn to uh, to get to know, to perceive and see, find out and discern. Uh, it says um, to know by experience, to recognize, recognize, to admit, to acknowledge, to confess, to consider, to be acquainted with, to know personally, to know how and be skillful in, to have knowledge of and be wise. Woo, Jesus was saying a mouthful when he said, if you, if you get to know the truth, the tr- no wonder if you get to know truth like that, it will make you free because it'll literally take over the thing that, that, that you're trying to get to know and, pro- and propel you into something new. Amen. When you get to know truth in a way, and what is truth other than him? He is the truth. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. So what is he saying? If you want to be my disciple, dwell in my word, make your home in my word, but don't just do 
do it as a, as a religious duty in, in the Bible, but get to know me through my word and through my presence, and then you will begin to know truth, and truth will then begin to make you free. Say it's a progression. Say it's a progression. How many of you know, you're, from, from the standpoint of God's viewpoint, where is free the day that we ask Jesus to be the Lord of our life as will as will ever be? On, on this side or that side. But how many of you know the progression of walking out? Uh, didn't Paul say, work out your salvation with fear and trembling? That means there's something to work out. Hopefully you're, you look a little more like Jesus uh, today than you did five years ago. And hopefully you'll look a little more like Jesus five years from now than you do today. Say, help him, Jesus. Nudge your neighbor, say, help him, Jesus. Nope, that's not love. You should have you caught that. Um, <laughs> I tricked you. Um, but, but listen to this. It says to know, to learn, um, to uh, distinguish, to know by experience. The, the word there the, um, that, he, that he used is the same, is the same word to, to, to know intimately, like a, like a husband and wife know one another. And how, how many know that when you were first married, you thought you knew that person inside and out? But then how many people have been married a minute or two can, can, can raise their hand and testify, you know that person better than the day you said, I do? Only about six? Wow. We won't ask Drew and Kelsey because they're, they're relatively newlyweds. But, but, but for, the, for the most part, man, when, you, when you've been in, in, the, in the marriage game for a while, you know that person better than, than you did the day you said, I do. And, and that's the way it's supposed to be. You know, you're not, you, you, there, people, when they, when they spend time with one another, when they div, uh, invest in one another, they begin to know each other better. They begin to, to, to see uh, uh, the deeper parts of that person, and they begin to, to be better well acquainted with the things that, that make them tick and make them happy and make them uh, uh, sad, and, and, and they see and experience a different part of that person than, than they could before they, they, they made covenant together. But then and once you make covenant together, amen, then that is the, that is the jump off point of beginning to, to dive deep into knowing a person, right? A, a, a spouse. Well, in the same way, the covenant cutting, uh, that happened whenever we were born again, began, began a work in us. And it is a finished work in the sense that we're not trying to, to any longer get worthy or any longer try to, trying to, to make ourselves something that, that we couldn't, but it is not a finished work in the relationship side of growing closer to one another and learning from one another and experiencing one another. Jesus knows us really good, but we need to get to know him really good. And so, so he's saying here, if you want to be my disciples, and um, you can go ahead and I'm, I'm talking tonight about, about uh, perspective. And, um, you know, I don't know about you, but I want Jesus' perspective on things. And so if we know if truth is able to make us free, then truth in any area will make you free, even if that truth is kind of hard to swallow, right? Even if truth is a little hard to swallow in that area, don't we realize that, that knowing that truth, getting closer, uh, uh, acquainted with that truth will make us free in that area, regardless of, of whether it's comfortable or not. 
Did you know that uh, the Christ, Christian life was not was uh, not made to be a comfortable life? That's why he sent the Holy Spirit to be our comforter. Because he knew we'd be in some uncomfortable situations. He knew that our flesh would sometimes be screaming out, no! And then we'd need a, 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 a friend, amen? The Holy, the Holy Spirit is a friend. He's a comforter. He's an advocate. He's a standby, amen? He, he's there to say, you know what? I know this is tough on your flesh, but, but let me minister to you. Let me bring you up. Let me take you to a higher place. Let me not leave you the way that you are because I don't want you to stay bound in this area. I want to bring you up in to a higher place in this area. I want to make you something that you couldn't make yourself. But how do you do that? You do that through him, spending time with him, fellowshipping with him, getting to know him. Amen. And then the truth begins to make us free. Amen. So it makes it pretty awesome to to take in truth, even if it's tough to hear. Well, the amen's got quieter. I said, I said, it makes it still awesome to hear truth, even if it's tough to hear. Y'all are like, oh, what are you going to talk about tonight? Don't worry. It's going to be good. There'll be a moment or two you can shout and, and be set free. No, but I, I want to talk about, about um, perspective because here's the thing. Perspective is, is so much of what we do from a day-to-day day-to-day experience. The way we perceive things, the way we look at things, the way we, we are mindful of things, it, it totally dictates how we respond. It totally dictates how we, how we, how we uh, uh, have an experience. You know, do you know that perspective or perception doesn't change the truth, but it changes your experience of the truth? I'll say that again. It doesn't change the truth. Whether you, you see things right or don't see things right, it doesn't change the truth. But what does it change? It changes your experience of the truth. So somebody can see something one way and be experiencing truth in a powerful way. And you can be uh, uh, looking at that same truth but not have the same perspective as someone who's seeing it right and not be experiencing the power of that truth. You can be in the same church service uh, next to the person who's weeping and saying, God, I love you. I want more. I I need more. And you not be looking at him the same way they're looking at him and not experience from him the same thing that they're experiencing from him. And our relationships all look different, and that's fine. But there's something about looking at things from the right perspective. And what is the right perspective? I'm going to tell you, it is the perspective of truth. Because, see, you, you can have two people, the same symptoms come on the same, uh, the same symptoms, the same pains come on, on, on those people the same kind of way. And because of the way they see it or don't see it, 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 it will show what kind of experience of the truth they participate with. And so pers- perspective is awesome. Perspective is awesome. Um, let's turn over to uh, Matthew chapter 16. If this starts stepping on your toes, you can just start singing. You are faithful in all of your ways. Won't hurt my feelings at all. You can just jump right into it. Um, so uh, we'll start over in, in, in verse 13. And um, here, you know, Jesus is saying, 
hey, who are people saying that I am? And they're saying, well, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he said, that's cool, but who do you say I am? He wanted to know what their perspective was. Come on. It doesn't matter what your neighbor's perspective is on things. It matters what your perspective is on things. Who do you say he is? Come on, that, the, 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 that is, is such a, a mighty truth. Who are you saying he is in your, in your life today? Who is he that you're worshiping tonight? How do you see him when, you, when, you're, when your hands are lifted and your eyes are closed? Amen. The way that you see him determines the experience of him. So the, the way that you see him and the way that you say he is, amen, is the way that he's able to be in your life. Amen. And so it says, uh, but uh, who do you say I am? Peter says, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I say to you, I'm going to build my, my, on this rock, I'll build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And, and this is like a crowning moment in, in Peter's life, right? He's like, yes, I nailed it. This is awesome. And, and, and yet, uh, uh, here we go. Jesus says, then he commanded his disciples that he shouldn't tell anyone that he's the Christ because it was, it was not time yet. And it says, but from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples. I, I like this because it shows you when you get truth, it leads to more truth. See that? When, when he got a hold of, of one truth, it led to another truth. See, you're progressively getting acquainted with truth. And so but the truth you know today, the truth that you're getting acquainted with, the level that you're getting acquainted with Jesus today will lead you into more, into deeper truth the next day. That's why it says to progressively get to know, to become intimately acquainted with, because it's a process, say it's a process, of changing my perspective. Does that make sense? So it says, it says from that time, Jesus was able to then begin to show his disciples that, uh, that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. So he's, he's letting them know what's about to happen. He's letting them know some more truth. And, and notice that he says, this is the stuff that's going to happen. But then on the third day, I'm going to get raised up. The whole story was there. The whole story was there. And then Peter took him aside. Man, you know Peter was bold. Peter had some boldness. Then he took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. Man, you know, Peter, Peter uh, like I said, he was bold. He, he, was, he took Jesus, the disciple, you know, he's the disciple of him. He's the teacher. He's the rabbi. He's the one that's, he's leaning on his chest saying, Tell me the secrets of the kingdom, Lord. And, and, and yet then he says, Here, Jesus, I know you were telling me about this little revelation you got, um, but let's come over. I'm a, because I honor and respect you, I'm going to pull you over here to the side so no one else can hear this. I've got a small rebuke for you. And he begins to rebuke Jesus. Far be it from you. But this is interesting because Jesus said, but he turned, to, turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but mindful of the things of demons. Is that what it says? It says, 
You are not mindful of the things of God, but mindful of the things of the devil himself. You are not mindful of the things of God, but you're mindful of the things of the pit of hell. You are not mindful of the things of God, but you're mindful of the worst kind of witchcraft. What does it say there? You're mindful of the things of what? Men. So here, here Jesus is. He's able to, to uh, give Peter this, this, this attaboy. You know what? You got it. You're getting it. That God revealed this to you. You didn't get this from men. You got this from God. And then very shortly after, because it says from that time Jesus began, and it says, says he, he said there, get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me. And, and the re, you know, Jesus wasn't offended. Oh, Jesus was offended, so I've got a right to be offended. No, he's saying it, it was an offense, a stumbling. You're trying to be a stumbling block to me. Why? Because you're not mindful of the things of God. You're mindful of the things of men. So what does that mean? So let's, let's, let's look, look a little bit further. Is that all right? No, we're diving into some scriptures here. But it says, then Jesus said to his disciples, and Peter was feeling amazing. And it says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him what? Deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And whoever desires to save his life will actually lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to, to a man to gain the whole world but lose his own soul? For what, if, what can a man give in exchange for his own soul? And then it says, you know, the Son of Man will come in glory and he'll return, he'll return and reward uh, to each according to their works. But what I want to hit up here, it says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. So once again, he's talking about being a disciple. If you want to come after me, what is the first thing you have to do in order to, to come after him? Not deny Satan. It doesn't say deny Satan. It doesn't say deny uh, uh, all the evil. It doesn't say deny witchcraft. It doesn't say deny the most evil, you know, dark thing you can think of. It says deny yourself. If you want to, now, now let me clarify. I'm not talking about um, uh, uh, being born again here. We know that being born again is, is by grace. And, and, it, and Romans 10, 10 says, if you believe in him, confess him. So we got that settled, right? If you're not born again, you can be. It's, it's easy. It's so simple. And it's a work of grace. But I'm talking about being a disciple. I'm talking about being a follower. See, there's something, you can be saved by Christ and not be a follower of him. You can be born again and be recreated, but not be a disciple of him. You cannot be making, you cannot be, uh, 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 you can be saved and be in church, but not actually obeying and following and going after him. And yet, yet isn't that all of our hearts? Who wants to, wants to be closer to him? I mean, last Sunday night, we're like, Lord, I yield to you. Lord, I give you everything. Lord, I'm yours. And we're singing and worshiping and weeping and we come down to the altar and we give God you know we give God our hearts and we and we pour ourselves out to him why because we want to follow after him amen because we want him that's in our hearts that's who we are that's not something that 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 we have to work up that's who you are you want to follow the Lord when you were born again when you were recreated there was something that was put on in the inside of you is called the the law of the liberty of life in Christ Jesus it's called the same spirit that raised Christ up 
up from the dead. It's called the anointing. The Bible says you have an anointing from the Holy One that you need no man to teach you. It says you don't lack in any good thing. It says you have every gift. So this is who we are. This is not like something I'm trying to say you need to get into being this. This is who you are. But how many of you know, as we're singing, I will respond to you last week, the, the Lord began to speak to me. What is our response? What is our response? If that's who we are, if that's in our heart, man, that's your heart because, I, you know, we can look. Here we are gathered on a Sunday night. For what purpose? But for him. I know y'all didn't come to see me. Amen. And, and, and that's good because, because if you did, you'd have, you'd have a flat night. It'd be a bummer of a night. But, but thank God you came to be with him and come to be with the family of God. So your heart is for him. You are someone who's seeking after him. You are someone who's going after the Lord. But here's something that I think we get tripped up on is sometimes in life when we leave this place and go and do the thing called life, we get, we get our perspective off and we begin to see things through the filter of of ourselves. And the reason that is, is because that is what's preached day after day after day. And especially in American culture, it is about having it your way, having it your way right now. It's about getting things done in, in your, from your point of view. And everybody's got uh, uh, something that they want to see, see happen in their lives. And I'm not saying that's necessarily bad, but what I'm saying is we can't take our, our American uh, culture and then try to mix it with the the word of God. You can't be a disciple of two things. The Bible says you can't serve two masters. It says the only way that you're going to be full of light if your eye is single and is focused. It says the only way that your whole body is going to be full of light is if your eye is simple, single, and focused. That's what that word means. It means simple, single, and focused. And so what are we, what is it that tries to get in? A lot of, I don't know about you, but it's not like y'all are, y'all are, uh, Monday, you know, there's, there's just this demonic thing that's trying to get on you on Monday. When you wake up in the morning, that's not a demon. That's called flesh. When you get home Sunday night and, and, you know, your husband didn't unload the dishwasher. That, that tries to creep up. That's not a demon. That's flesh. Right? But see, here's the thing. When our perspective is right, what is the first, the first thing that we've got to remove from perspe- our perspective? Self. You want to follow me. Now, this, see, this is something that we love to, to, to look at and think about in the big scope. But let's think about it on the, on the, on the, on the day-to-day basis. What does that look like? What does that look like whenever we're, we're wake up on Monday morning, when we, when, we, when we go to bed Monday night after prayer, or, or when we're, we're in the middle of watching Monday night football and our fantasy team's losing? Uh, what does denying ourselves, amen, and, and, and picking up our cross look like? It looks, it looks like responding from the perspective of Christ. Amen? Let, uh, go ahead and put up that second slide there. This is, how many of y'all know about uh, rose-colored glasses? You know, the, the, the Lord has been talking to me about lenses and the, the way we see people, the way we see situations, the way we see uh, our spouses. 
Come on. The way we see our children, the way we see uh, our church, the way we see our pastors, the way we see uh, our service, whatever it is, you could put anything in there and the way that we see it. And uh, and here's the thing. What did what did uh, uh, Jesus said? He said, get behind me for you are not mindful of the things of God. You're mindful of the things of man. Whatever you have a mind full of, you'll have a life full of. Whatever you have a mind full of, you'll have a life full of. Who chooses what goes on in your mind? I said, who chooses what goes on in your mind? The Bible says that we have the mind of Christ. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. It says in Colossians chapter 3, set your mind on things above and not the things of earth. We're not talking about the trees and, and our children and the, uh, the ocean. No, what is he talking about? He's talking about the current of this world that's always trying to get you to go after more for yourself. That is our culture. That is, I got to have a new car. I got to have, I got to have more things. Come on. How many, how many nights do you spend scrolling through, through the internet, looking at things you want? How many times do you look and, 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 and spend your time thinking about things that you got to have? Come on. I, I, I know exactly what, what it's like. The thing is, is the world is, is caught up in trying to capture our attention so that we're not mindful of, of sinful things. It's not that, that you're mindful of di- uh, these gross, di- disgusting, sinful things. No, you're mindful of the things of man. And because we've grown up in this, in this culture that is always pressing in, well, you don't want to get your hopes up. I mean, look at these phrases that we, that we, you know, well, don't get your hopes up. Not that we say those around here, but these are the things we hear every day of our lives. Well, you, you, you never want to get your hopes up. You, you don't, you know, you know, what you don't know won't hurt you. All these, all these things of this world that are trying to f- uh, form and shape the way that we're thinking, the way that we're seeing things, our perspective, but we can change the lenses that we're looking through. Man, when you look and see your spouse, you can not see them through their failures. You cannot. You could. You can look and not see where they where they fall short. When you see that person across across the 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 aisle there, Brother Doyle's looking over at Captain Kirby. He can see Captain Kirby in a way that just causes him to love him more. Come on, sometimes it's it's doubt. Sometimes we look at our situations through doubt, self-doubt. Well, you know, it's been this way for such and such years. Or, ah, I didn't get the victory over this last time. Come on, those things, is is that the thoughts of God? Is that what God's saying about you? Is that who he's made you to be? What you're mindful of, you'll have a life full of. So I'm telling you, this is, this is something the Holy Spirit put, dropped on the inside of me because I've been, been endeavoring to make, make myself capture the thoughts that come into, in, in, across this thing right here, this old noodle, and bring them in subjection to Jesus and say, if, this, if Jesus would not have this thought, come on, if Jesus doesn't see Brother Wendell this way, even though may, maybe Brother Wendell cuts me off on the way into church, Maybe he, maybe he gives me the universal sign for God bless you and, and pulls into my parking spot. 
and gets out and says, hey, Brother Steve, goes on in about his business. My, who, who chooses what, what you're, I'm going to be mindful of? Who chooses the perspective I'm going to see him in? Me. Do you know nobody can make you offended? Nobody can make you hurt. Nobody can make you less on fire for God. Nobody can make you have lack. Nobody can make you do anything other than what you allow yourself to do. God has empowered us, amen, and he's, he's wiped the slate completely clean, and then he empowered us with the same presence that Jesus walked in and then said, all you have to do is begin to think, get this thing to fall in line with this truth, get progressively acquainted with the word of God, be a, be a disciple of me, and you'll begin to experience something that you wouldn't have experienced before. How is it? By knowing the truth, Amen. By having a, having a lens of truth. So if, we, if we're denying ourselves, let's see what I'm doing, how I'm doing on time, okay? I'm doing pretty good. Y'all relax. Um, it says, uh, you know, in, in Matthew chapter 5, we won't turn there for the sake of time. But in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus gives the Beatitudes. And he says, you know, those that... that, that uh, Blessed are those, here, I'll read them to you. You don't have to turn there. Since I'm right there, I'll just flip over. It says, blessed are those who are poor in the spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they'll inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Say, that's me. For they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they'll obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And 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 I like that. Blessed are the pure in heart. That's that word just means simple, simple in heart. I don't know about you, but that excites me that the simple, amen, can get it, amen. Because I, I, I'm not a complex kind of guy. I like things simple. I like it easy. Amen. And it says, then he goes on the rest of chapter 5, and he just says, you have heard it said, but I say. You have heard it said, but I say. You have heard it said, and he goes through all these different things. And this is, this is the culture that he was, he was in in the day. You've heard it said, Bless those who bless you and, and, and curse those that curse you. You've heard it said to, to be good to those that are good to you, but, 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 but curse your enemies. But then he says, but, but I say. See, there's a difference in Jesus' perspective than the rest of the world's perspective. He had a perspective of love. He had a lens of love. Amen. So, so what if, you know, God, God's, been saying to me for several years now, if you'll see right, you'll walk right. If you'll see right, you'll walk right. How many hours of the day do we spend trying to walk right? You know, how many, how many days of the week do we try to spend walking right? How much time are we spending endeavoring to see right? Could it be that we have the cart before the horse in some areas? Could it, could it be, I mean, and this is just a question that we ought to ponder, could it be that, that in some areas we've spent a lot of time trying to walk right but not much time trying to see right? But how many you know it's much easier to walk in something that you see correctly? 
I could, I could t- turn the lights off in this, in, the, in this room, and I've done this before when I'm trying to get back to the sound booth, you know, during the day, and I don't want to walk over and turn the lights on. And, you, and you've got a pretty good idea where you're going, and, but you round this corner a little too quick, and you're like, bam, and you're like, oh, oh why didn't I just take 10 seconds to turn the light on? Then I could walk right because then my vision is clear. How many areas sometimes, you know, we're in our, in, in our lives, are we trying to walk things out right, but we're not investing the time to see right? I'm going to be honest. It takes time to walk with the Lord. It takes time. You have, I, I could get up here and say it's simple and, and easy, and it is, but it takes time. It takes time. I would be lying to you if I didn't say you have to take time out of your day. You have to take time out of your routine. You have to take time out of your schedule to get with God and begin to progressively know truth. Begin to spend time with him. And, and, and it's not difficult. It's not hard. And, and once you grow in your appetite for the things of God, it becomes something you, that, that you cherish and love. But I would be lying to you if I said that it doesn't, it doesn't take time. You have to take some time and spend with him. You can't get to know somebody without spending time with them. You can't get to know the Lord. You can't progress in truth without spending time with him. But I'm telling you, it's not, it's not a laborsome thing. The, the Lord said, he said, walk with me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. He said, the, I think the message translation says, says, walk with me and I'll show you the unforced rhythms of grace. This is not a forced thing, but it's something that God is trying to draw us into a place uh, 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 of deeper things. You know, we've been praying for revival, right? We, we all desire, oh God, we want revival. We want more of your spirit. We want more of your presence. And that's awesome. But don't miss the opportunity today to have a revival moment by getting alone with the Lord and progressing in truth and progressing in the things that he's got for you right now. So many times we're trying to look at the big picture, but we're missing the day-to-day operation of seeing things the way that God wants us to see them and developing in us a, 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 a spirit that is hungry and, and, and thirsty that will be filled. Amen. That, a spirit that is simple. An eye that is focused. Amen. That is something that we can do every day. How do I get to this place of revival? How do I get to this place where, where, where I'm walking in all the things that I see, all the things that people are talking about, all that was prophesied? You do it by taking the time today to spend with him, to get with him, to enjoy him, to grow in him, to change your perspective. Man, you, get, you start spending time with him, you get rid of doubt. You know, you don't have to go on a doubt hunt. As you're taking time with him, you'll begin to see, ah, you know what? I've been seeing that through doubt. I've been seeing that situation through doubt. See, this isn't a five-step process. That's why I said this is a journey. But so many times we're looking at the destination all the time, missing the journey. And the journey is fun, man. The journey is, is what makes, makes it worth going to the destination. You spend time with him, and, and, and maybe, maybe you take time with the Lord, and, and, and you're loving him and being loved by him. You know, we love him because he first loved us. How many know that process doesn't change? It doesn't change. You don't wake up tomorrow and then say, well, I'm going to love you, Lord, but don't take time to be loved by him. 
You, you, you grow in your relationship the same way you fell in love with your relationship. It's by being loved by him, and then you can respond again in love. Amen. And so you're sitting, taking time with him, spending time in his word, and you find out, you know what? I've been looking at my wife with a selfish motive. I've been looking at, at, at my, my brother in church with a selfish motive. I've been praying for my brother. Oh, I've been praying for my brother with a selfish motive. Lord, change Joby's heart. He's so hard-hearted. Change his heart. How many of you know when you begin to spend time with God, maybe you realize the problem isn't necessarily in Joby. It's in me. Didn't Jesus say, get the plank out of your eye? Before, come on, see, this is shouting, this is shouting stuff. Because so many times we we come to service and we think there's a problem with service. Or we look at somebody in the church and think there's a problem with somebody else in the church. Or we look in our family and say, if my wife could only, or my if my kids could only. But see, Jesus doesn't say that. He said, that's what you say. But I say, take a look at your own eye and get the plank out of your own eye. Begin to change your perspective. Begin to get the lens that... That you're looking through corrected glory to God how many have had a, a lens correction and you've been seeing things fine for a while but then you go and get your lenses corrected because your your eyes have gotten better and so the things that weren't clear are now are now or were clear are now unclear and you get the lens changed and then they become clear again come on that's what spending time with Jesus does See, this isn't about beating myself up because I have doubt or beating myself up because I've been looking through a lens of hurt. No, it's about getting with the Lord. Amen. It's about taking time with him and letting him adjust your focus, adjust your lens. Amen. So that you begin to see things right. And then you don't have to try to walk right because when you see things right, you just walk right. That's why what you have a mind full of, you have a life full of. It is, it's what happens. It's not something, well, I, then I got to work real hard to get a mindful of it. Well, yeah, you need to take time for that, but it's not a struggle. And if you believe it to be a struggle, just change your mind. Repent. The Bible, the word repent means change your mind. Well, change your mind. Who has the control over what goes on in your mind? I do. I have control over what goes on in Steve Morgan's mind. Whether I think about the presence of the Lord, whether I think about his love, whether I think about, it says, the, the, uh, what did the psalmist say? I'll meditate on you day and night. Amen. And then Jesus, uh, uh, the Lord spoke to, to Joshua and said, if you want your, your way to be successful, keep this word in front of you. Meditate on it day and night. He said, just think about, man, if you'll just get over the battle that goes on in here, it says we don't, we don't war against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and might, bringing every thought into the captivity of Christ. See, God is all he's asking you to do is come away with him and let him change your mind. Man, that's simple. It's easy, but it takes time. And I don't see things the way I did last year. But how you know, it didn't happen overnight. I didn't wake up today. Woo! Got a whole new perspective. No, I get away with him get in his word and I read things like deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. And then I think, how could I ever be mad at brother Zach if I'm denying myself? 
if the word says it's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that lives in me, and the life that I now live in the flesh, I only live by the faith of God. So there's no me for you to 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 frustrate. There's no me for you to get for for the 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 hairs on the back of my neck to stand up. There's no me. Well, come on, that's a little extreme. Is it truth or is it not truth? Could we live like Jesus? Is that what he's asked us to do? Yeah, but they shouldn't have done that. Yeah, maybe that's true. But maybe God's allowed them to do that so you'd have an opportunity to look like Jesus the same way that you were on your knees the week before saying, Jesus, make me more like you. Make me more like you. I want to be like you. And then the next week somebody comes and says something to you that ruffles your feathers and you're like, I can't believe they would say that. Don't they know I'm a child of God? And Jesus is saying, you are asking for opportunities to be more like me. But what is your perspective? It's your, if your perspective is selfishness, then you're seeing that through self-preservation. And that is, that, that, is our, that is what is preached in our culture day after day after day. It's all about you, what you think and what you believe. It's all about preserving your rights, amen. And I'm not saying that, that all that is bad, but what I'm saying is that's not what the Word says. The Bible says, see, in, the, in that Matthew chapter 5, it says if someone comes to steal your, 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 your jacket, then give them your shirt too. It says if someone slaps you on the face, it doesn't say take up arms and beat their tail. It says turn the other cheek it says those that are your enemies and that that despitefully use you pray for them and give to them well now now you're just getting crazy no i'm just getting word i'm just getting jesus so we got to be careful what things were what filter we're looking through because because it's our culture to be selfish it's our culture to prefer ourselves it's our culture not to reach out. It's our culture not to look at our brother in love. You can put up the other slide. I like, I like this one because I, I was thinking you could put up all these other things, you know, faith and, 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 and victory and, and, and all these other lenses we can look through. But God is love. And I wonder if we just began to look at every situation through the lens of love. Man, I wonder if we began to come into church with the lens of love. I wonder what would happen if we began to, to hit our knees in love. I wonder if, if instead of we hit our knees because of aggravation and frustration, we hit our knees because we love that person to let them stay the way, too much to let them stay the way they are. I wonder if we began to see our husband or wife in love. I wonder if we began to, 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 to worship with love. That one's selfish on my, that's back to the lens of selfishness for me. Um, but here's the thing. Love, love is a filter that we can begin to see through. And how do you do it? It's not by, it's not by just trying real hard to love people. It's by being loved by him. It's by taking time to let him adjust our focus. It's by taking time to let him shift the way we're seeing things. You know, the Bible says, uh, and, and I believe it's over in chapter, uh, Philippians in chapter 3. You can turn over there and I'll try to end here. It 
It's actually, yep, chapter 4, verse 4. And it says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. We love that one. And it says, let your gentleness be known to all men. Let your gentleness be known to all men. It says, the Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. Miss Amy hit this super nice. Doesn't this message fit so nice with what she brought this morning? Amen. Uh, the way we see things. It says, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. These things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me. These things do and God, the God of peace will be with you. I wonder, I wonder if we actually took that and did that on a Monday. I told you, I told you, truth is, truth is good, even when it's hard to hear, right? I know this isn't a shouting message, but I, but I really believe this is, this is good stuff. Whatever things are true, well, you know what, Joby's hard-heartedness, that is true. No, what is truth? Your word is truth. This, this is the filter that I have to look at Joby through. Come on. Jesus said two commandments I leave with you. Love God with all of your might, all of your heart, all of your strength, and love one another the way that I have loved you. Come on, Jesus didn't look at us through a filter of doubt. He didn't look through us through a filter of selfishness. He didn't look through uh, uh, at us through a filter of our good deeds or our lack thereof. He didn't look at us through what, what he, we could bring to him. He didn't look at us about what value we brought to his life. He didn't even consider that. What The only thing he looked at us through was love. He looked to us through a lens of love, and what he saw in us was what God saw in us. And because of that, he was able to do for us what no, no one else could do for us. I wonder if we began to see each other in that kind of lens, what we would bring out of one another. Come on. What if, what if when, we, when we came to church, man, we didn't just see people. Uh, Paul said, you know, uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he said, he said the old, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. Now all things are of God. And we love to, to run and shout and dance and, and get excited about that scripture. But do you know what? He wasn't even talking about that from a personal standpoint. He was talking about that from, from the standpoint of seeing other people. Because the very next verse, he says, so from now on, judge no man according to the flesh. So he's saying when you look at somebody, you don't have the right anymore to see them according to their deeds, good, bad, or ugly. You don't have the right to see them just through their old stinking flesh. You don't have the right to see them the way that you want to see them or the way the world wants to see them or see them through your own hurt or see them through your offense or see them through your own self-doubt. You don't have a right to see people through those, through those lenses anymore. You don't have a right to see things that way because of what he has done. You can no longer judge them according to, to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So praise God. 
Man, the nice thing about that is it releases you from trying to figure out why people are the way they are. It releases you from caring because I'm not trying to get my value from what the way Zach treats me. I'm no, I know who I am with him. I've been, I've been with Jesus. And I've been receiving of his love. And his love satisfies. And so whether Zach is sweet to me on Sunday morning or sassy. Come on, say Zach is sassy. Um, that doesn't affect how my day goes. That do, do, do you know what? Whether, whether, whether Rachel is sweet or sassy. Somebody say Rachel is sassy. Less people were, were on board about saying that. That means she's more sassy than Zach. Y'all scared of her. Um, I am too. Uh, you know, people say, well, you can't be afraid of someone and love them, love them too. You know, God, you can't fear God and love them too. That's not true because I, I have a healthy fear of my wife and I love her a lot. You can love somebody and be a little afraid of them too. um praise god i don't know where i was going with that but uh nowhere good obviously but um but what i'm saying is you don't you know i don't look to rachel to fulfill my needs because rachel wasn't designed to fill my needs jesus was i don't look to you to fulfill my needs because I don't get my value from whether you're sweet to me, whether you're good to me, whether you love this message or hate it, whether you think this is right on point or whether you think I'm off in left field. It doesn't matter to me because all I'm doing is endeavoring to please him. And I'm not saying you don't matter to me. No, you matter to me. But I don't get my value on, on what you do or don't do. Because my, my lens that I see you is only to give to you. My lens, and, and yes, I'm still growing in this, so it's not like I've arrived to super galactic, you know, perfect uh, love walk. No, it, 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 I'm still growing in this. But this is what I'm endeavoring. The lens when I see people is to see them only to, to love, to see them only to give. And so then whether they respond real good to the love that I give them or not is, is irrelevant. Because I didn't come to get a response, I came to love. I didn't, I didn't see you through what you could do for me. I only saw you through what I could give you. That's the, that's the lens of Jesus. And I, and I just wonder if, if we began to, to respond that way with whatever, you know, well, brother so-and-so said this. Yeah, but whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, yeah, but, but, but I don't like what they posted on Facebook. Yeah, I'm not on Facebook, so I'm not thinking of anybody in particular. But, but whatever things are true, whatever things are noble. Yeah, but I have a disagreement with them. Yeah, but whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely or of love, whatever things are of a good report, whatever things that have virtue or if there's anything praiseworthy, Man, he's saying, if there's anything, meditate on these things. Be mindful of these things. Man, it'll change our lens the way we see things. It'll change our perspective. Amen.
At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.